0: Ryan Holtz is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Uh, Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ryan Holt Show podcast. Today, we have the Gold List Special. Have you coined this term yet, Jordana? Come on, man. I'm telling yeah, you. I have.
1: I have. Yeah. I've coined it. It's all you. It's all you, your that, creation, and I always attribute it to you. Gold List <laughs>
0: Special. I, I like the Gold List Special. Uh, we have a really jam-packed episode for you today. Um, but before we begin, just a quick reminder, if you've not left a review on iTunes and whatnot, please do so. We're also on YouTube, and it's actually going quite well, youtube.com forward slash Ryan Holtz. So we're laying all of our video episodes there. Um, I think it's extremely important, and YouTube is a is a massive platform. People love to consume content there. But without further ado, this episode is sponsored by JHG Criminal Law. Jordana Goldist is the face behind this amazing um, criminal defense uh, enterprise. Uh, guns, drugs, and murder. Don't call her, and I love saying this all the time because it sounds really gnarly. Don't call her with a traffic ticket or anything you know minor, quote unquote. You can message her. I'm sure she has a referral. Um, but again, we're proud to have her on as a sponsor. Uh, Jordana, welcome home. Welcome to the show, my friend. I miss you.
1: Thank you, Ryan. I miss you too. It's so nice to see you again.
0: Yeah. So Jordana and I use these hours to chop it up and catch up and then also do a, a really cool episode. Um, but all the episodes that we've done today with Jordana, I mean, it's it's been a lot about kind of her story and her backstory and what her crusade is and how she's came into where she is. And now, moving forward, we're gonna get a lot more tactical. Um, Lawyers are extremely expensive. A lot of people do not have the resources to afford lawyers in in all types of litigation. So, you know, episodes going forward, I really want, Jordana's basically gonna come in, and give uh, free advice. And, and her time is very, very valuable. But this is going to be of great value to you. So today's topic is, oh my God, I need a lawyer. Never been in this process before. Um, I've heard friends basically say they had to sell their home, get a second mortgage. Why all this? What What is my life going to become? And Jordana going to walk us through how to select a lawyer um you know how a lawyer charges and how to keep your lawyer accountable and make sure that the lawyer is actually fighting for you uh she does have a couple cases she's going to talk about which will provide some context so jordana without further ado i got in trouble i hope i don't get in trouble but for people listening or have family members that you know just made some mistakes uh how do they go about selecting a lawyer how does that whole process work
1: so i think one of the greatest mistakes in picking a lawyer is being in a rush Uh, i've had several clients who have come to me from having either retained or sought some sort of consult from other lawyers that were thrown at them you know parents just jumped on google kid gets in trouble you know best criminal lawyer in toronto First of all, whatever comes up is a product of who pays the most in uh, SEOs, it is not actually a product of who is the best. And quite frankly, if you're the best criminal lawyer in Toronto, you don't need to pay for those SEOs to end up at the top of the Google ads page. Um, and, And that's how they find their lawyer and that's who they jump on and fast forward a month or six months or a year down the road and they're unbelievably unhappy. And so I often get those calls. And in fact, I got a call this morning from a father who called me crying to thank me for taking on his son's case yesterday. Uh, son is called. Son is charged with uh, several firearms um, and a, a significant quantity of drugs. And the first thing the family, uh, other members of the family, had done was. Google a local lawyer, not someone from Toronto. And this person wanted to run a bail hearing in like 24 hours without setting up a plan, without having any of the foundation you need to do things properly. And so, luckily, they did not move forward with, with that lawyer. Recognized that they were just jumping in to collect their, you know, quick money um, and move on to the next case. And they said, "Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's take a look and ask around." And so he you know client in custody is asking other guys in jail hey who does a really good job with these types of offenses uh, and get some feedback and uh, that's sort of how he came to me and then the family takes my name puts it into Google and ends up on my website where they can actually see examples of cases that I've done the person that I am what I'm about to decide if that's a good fit mm. right you know 50% is what that lawyer can do, you know, in court, but the other 50% is still personality, right? Because mm. every good lawyer can accomplish the same thing, right? If you're a lawyer who knows how to challenge a search warrant, then you can do that, and you know, there's dozens of those available. So then it's a question of who speaks to the client like a real person instead of just a paycheck. Mm. Who's prepared to work with the family? Where the personalities meet. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm not, my personality doesn't fit with every client for sure. Even every client who's charged with the type of cases I do, right? And I say to clients now, the interview we do, my initial consult goes both ways. I'm interviewing the client to see if I think I'm a good fit and he's a good fit for my practice, Mm. right? You got to work together and you you make sure that it's a relationship that can last a year, a year and a half, sometimes two or three years because Mm. that's, uh, the time frame for the average criminal case
0: and Jordana, so, just, to interject, just to interject here because yes. i'm curious i know each province has a regulating body over lawyers is there any regulation over fees that lawyers can charge or is it pretty much freestyle freelance uh you know if you call it lawyer xyz they're gonna have a rate is that is there kind of a uh, what, what's the word i'm looking for just kind of a unified fee structure or does every lawyer do their fee structure differently
1: Every lawyer does a fee structure differently, and every lawyer charges differently. So, when it comes to fees, some lawyers charge by the hour. Mm. Some lawyers charge by the day. Some lawyers charge by—it's um, called a flat rate that takes you through different stages of the litigation. So, for me, I do—I I charge by stage. So. I have one rate for a bail hearing and it depends on the nature of the charges and the city because I cover uh, most of Southern Ontario. So obviously if I have to drive out to Niagara, I'm charging more than I would, you know, by going across the street to the courthouse in Toronto. Um, But otherwise, you know, I have one rate for the bail hearing, absolutely everything that I need to do to prepare for the bail hearing. So that at the end of the day, you know, my client or their family doesn't get a bill for you know a hundred hours that they weren't expecting if it becomes a really difficult bail hearing that I need to do some research and some background on. Um, I I just know generally by the nature of the charges and how many sureties what it's going to cost and if it spills over so be it. Um, And then I have you know another block fee that takes through all of the initial proceedings and all of the initial stages. That for me works better a because then we don't have to necessarily keep track of the hours that have gone into going to set date court, picking up disclosure, conversations with the crown. And for me, I don't want the client to worry if it takes the crown 10 appearances to give me their disclosure or all the paperwork that the client has to pay for each one, right? Mm. I don't think that's fair. Mm. Uh, I just charge one rate. It covers everything. If it takes 10 appearances, so be it. If it takes two, so be it, you know, the, the work just sort of goes. Um, and so every lawyer has a different structure and this is all part of finding a lawyer that has a structure that makes sense, right? Maybe you as the client want to see that hourly billing. You want to know hour by hour, minute by minute what your lawyer has done in your case. If that's what you prefer to see, then you want to look for a lawyer who charges by the hour, mm-hmm. right? If you want to know, listen, Jordan, I'm gonna give you you know, X amount of dollars, just go do what you need to do to get me through to the next stage, Uh, then I'm the better fit for you right you're gonna Mm. pay me that and you're not gonna worry about how many appearances it takes me or how many times I have to call the crown how many emails I have to send out I don't charge extra for any of that Mm. Um, I also don't charge for client phone calls so Mm. some lawyers will especially if they're billing hourly they'll start that clock as soon as they answer your call Mm. which means while you're on that call you're thinking oh my god I gotta pay for every minute this guy's talking to me yeah I don't like that I don't ever want a client to think, shit, I can't afford to call my lawyer today, mm. right? I think that's a horrible way to conduct a, a business when it comes to, you know, someone's life, right? Like, yeah. you shouldn't be worried. You need me to explain to you a step in the proceeding or what's happening on the case or you want an update. And you're like, wow, that update's going to cost me, you know, $500. Mm. so so mm. so I don't charge for, for client phone calls it's all part of you know the initial block fee that I that I charge and that just seems to work for me and my clients they
0: appreciate
1: it and if they don't they like other lawyers right mm. <laughs>
0: um, assuming, assuming that a client is you know gotten themselves in a situation, is there anything they or their supporters or family can do to be proactive um, in trying to maybe cut the cost of the lawyer or making sure that by the time you get called it's kind of makes your job a little easier up front or i know obviously you're you're like well you know if you let the cops do everything and you know basically trample all over your rights it's going to make for a, a lot tougher case by the time you get to it is there any kind of you know proactiveness that people who just simply don't have The knowledge of what the process is because most people don't if they've never been that situation and you know human nature I mean panic starts to set in so is there anything you know does that question make sense is there any you know is there anything that can go with that
1: I mean listen if if a person just doesn't have the resources to pay for the upfront fees of attending court getting the disclosure um, things of that nature that's something they can do by themselves right and quite frankly we're now in a situation of peril here in Ontario. Legal aid, um, the the well is, has really been cut short. And so yeah. there's been a lot of cutbacks from legal aid such that people who would have gotten a legal aid certificate to hire a lawyer on legal aid a few years ago, aren't getting those certificates anymore. Yeah. Um, so there's more and more people before the criminal courts in Ontario who are self-represented. Mm. So can it be done? Yes. Should it be done? No. But for some people it's just it's not practical to think that they can come up with, you know, ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars to pay for a lawyer on their proceeding. Right? For some mm. people it's just impossible. You're only making twenty or twenty five thousand dollars a year. You can't pay, you know, ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars to a lawyer to deal with your case. Mm. Um, it's it's not possible anymore. And that's the segment of the population who are getting charged and are in a position where they're defending themselves. Yes. So, So there's the ability to do it. I certainly don't recommend it because if you're representing yourself, you probably don't understand the nuances of the law. You don't understand your charter rights. You don't understand how to even make those arguments. It's one thing to know that your rights were violated, it's another thing to lay an evidentiary foundation and argue them in a criminal court, Mm. right? The stakes between those two is is quite significant. Mm. So, you know, I I think that when people find themselves facing charges, they they need to pool all resources that they can, because at the end of the day, that's your life, right? That criminal record is gonna follow you for at least the next five or 10 years, depending on the charges. And it's going to definitely have a crushing ability on finding employment, traveling, volunteer work. I mean, there's so many different aspects and different elements of someone's life that can be negatively impacted by a criminal record.
0: It's a known fact that uh, society in general, like even our school system, does not really touch on legal, even in, you know, when you're going, you know, Junior high, high school, all these things, um, and they don't touch on financial literacy or legal or anything like that. People, so you've had great authors that have written books on financial literacy, you know, to help the average person really understand finances a lot better. Is there any book or anything out there that you would suggest to somebody to say, "Man, go brush up on your legal or your 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 normal rights"? You know, you're just your everyday rights, because I feel like as an adult you should know that. I mean, you should know when you get pulled over, basic interactions with the police, you know. Um, when you're a parent and you have kids, my God, right? You know, my child is out there or my son or my daughter one day is going to be out there and rolling around and they're going to have, you know, maybe they have an interaction. My job for me as a parent is to make sure my kids know what their rights are and how to conduct themselves properly. So is there any resource that you could suggest to people who are listening?
1: So I don't know that there's any books out there. Um, most lawyers are quite self-serving and would never provide the general public with the manual to help (laughs) you avoid hiring them yeah right. that's a reality like lawyers have created a system that actually requires them
0: okay but jordana when you think about hold on hold on i know you're and you're right about this okay but here let's talk about this this is no different than when people go into business like if ryan writes the book on how to go market your business i give away all the stuff for free this is a very very um, scarcity mentality right and i would argue to any great lawyer out there that has this mentality i wouldn't even want to hire you because it's already showing me a little bit about your mental landscape which i want nothing to do with right go put on the cloak get out of my my, my calf right but so for you i think that that makes a great opportunity for your industry because if i'm out there and a lawyer is literally just hammering education to me You now are becoming an authority in many people's lives, and you are now, in my opinion, you are actually building your brand equity out even more, which you could charge more. So, is this something that's legit, or is this something that is just a, you know, a really bad mentality? That's it's pure scarcity, right? If I give you free advice, you won't hire me. Well, on the contrary, how do you build trust with me if Jordana has educated me? on you know the legal system I'll tell you right now if I get jammed up there's only one person I'm calling not because I think you're great or you know maybe we can you know dig onto your emotional side and really refine that a bit wink, wink.
1: <laughs> but Here's I'm gonna you. I'm gonna
0: call you because I have a little bit of trust and I do see you as an authority in your field you're doing that not because of what you're not giving me it's actually because of what you are giving me so that so what do you think of that
1: so I mean that's why, and, and you're on my Instagram. That's why I do these legal tips on a regular basis on Instagram, where I throw out these little like I do posts on a regular basis, and I've been doing that for years, especially around search and seizure rights, uh, vehicle stops, which is a huge, huge component of um, of illegal searches. And so I do do that on a regular basis. And you're absolutely right. I've had clients come to me because of those rights. Hey, I saw mm-hmm. that post on Instagram. I'm in exactly that position. Can you help me? And I agree. And quite frankly, like I'm coming from a position where I want to educate people on the trap of the criminal justice system so they can avoid it the way that I did. Right. Mm -hmm. I avoided it because I recognized the trap, not because I wasn't doing the shit to get me caught up in it. Um, I actually am working with an organization right now called keep six. It's a Toronto based organization that has exactly that goal in mind, help educate young people and youth on how to deal with the police and enlightening them on the fact that the justice system is designed to be a trap to keep people in so that once you enter just a little bit, you don't have a system in place to help give you other opportunities or to provide you, you know, a framework with which to make better choices. Instead, you get stuck on probation, which is a system of monitoring people and ensuring Mm. they stay in the system. Mm. So me and uh, Richard Miller, who's the founder of Keep Six, we've been reaching out to different high schools in hopes of having that platform to teach young people about what their rights are and how to avoid the system altogether. Because if you don't enter it as a youth, you're more likely to stay out of it as an adult.
0: I, I googled I googled Richard too because I seen it on your Instagram, and uh, what a story! That's that's he's got a he's got a right? crazy story, yeah.
1: He does. he yeah. does, And if you meet him, if you meet him now, he is a phenomenal human being that has spent the last three years putting his own money, his time on top of working a full-time job, sometimes six or seven days a week in construction. So like really hard work. Yeah. And he just wants to help give back and help people not make the same bad choices that he made, you know, time and time again. And he really saw a system that was developed in order to keep, you know, some of the most vulnerable members of society stuck in a horrible place. So mm-hmm. he's, he's really doing great work. And I'm, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to help out with some of his projects and really help, you know, move his foundation in a forward direction. He's, he's really got a great program going on.
0: So circling back, people who yes. is there a is there a resource or resources plural that somebody can go just to educate themselves. Because you we know you are an amazing lawyer and you're never gonna have a shortage of clients. And this is a this is a classic case. You can lead somebody to water, right? Like you can lead the horse or camel or whatever the heck country you come from to whatever, you know, analogy you wanna use. But you can lead you can lead them to water, but it it's not doesn't mean that they're gonna drink the water. You know what I mean? so is there resources because i asked myself this too i'm like well you know i want to i want to get educated
1: so no there's no simple resources i mean the basis of you know knowing understanding the law is reading the law right like you really want to know your charter rights read the damn charter it's like it's there it's online if you google you know canadian charter of rights and freedoms you will now have the blueprint for all of your rights and all of your responsibilities within society. And there's a very small section dealing with, you know, your, your criminal rights, right? Like there's, mm. it's not a lengthy text that you would have to go through. It's all mm. there. The question is one of interpretation, right? Like how does that actually apply? It's one thing to say that the charter of rights guarantees me from being, you know, unreasonably searched and seized. Mm. So, okay. So I have this guaranteed right to not be subjected to unreasonable search and seizure. What does that actually mean? What is an unreasonable search? What is an unreasonable seizure? The average person would not recognize that if you're the passenger of a vehicle that stopped for a highway traffic act and the police ask for your ID, that's an unreasonable, illegal seizure. It's a seizure of your identity that they now use to check in their database to see whether or not you've got any outstanding charges, warrants, violating uh, a bail violating probation it's actually considered illegal if you're just a passenger who's doing absolutely nothing wrong and there's nothing illegal about the car for example it being stolen Mm. so most people wouldn't be able to discern that from just reading the charter and thinking about everyday life Mm. and that's why it's important to be able to have you know either a lawyer that you can talk to uh, or you know we're trying to develop these workshops Um, perhaps maybe a small book or a pamphlet to give to kids in school. I remember when I was a kid in school and I got a pamphlet about different drugs and what Mm. the drugs were, how to identify them, and, you know, what they can do to you. Like, it was part of an educational workshop to try to just say no to drugs. I never got a pamphlet about what my legal rights were. I never got a pamphlet about my responsibilities as a Mm. Canadian citizen. What does that mean? How do Mm. I deal with the police? How not to so you're right. It's not something we give to people the same way we don't teach them about financial literacy. Half the people that I meet, including adults who are working and have debt, don't appreciate what it means to be charged interest on a credit card.
0: Mm-hmm. Like something's mm-hmm. basic. Yeah. People yeah, aren't
1: yeah. taught that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, <sighs> but here it, it's it's so true. Now, if we go back and we look at the resources that are out there, you're talking about pamphlets, workshops, and books, right? Now, if right. we go on, if we go on TikTok, TikTok's got that young demographic. No kid who's in between the ages of 11 and I don't know, 16, 17 years old is gonna go read no damn pamphlet, right? Like when somebody hands me, even to this day, a three-trifold tri- pamphlet, it tells me that either you're dated, you're whack, or you just went and ordered it on like some cheap website, you know, and got it for right, a right, right. Now here's my point. You have you have your website, man. You could you could make yep. your website the resource portal, right? A blog, a quick video. But then again, we talk about context and interpretation. When Jordana gets up there and starts saying all these fancy legal words, you know, I want to be indemnified and all these things, right? The average person doesn't even understand, the, you know, the vernacular, the vocabulary behind that, right? So for you, you have the opportunity to use the internet to spread to a lot more people than any workshop or pamphlet or book would ever provide and it's interesting because before we did this episode i spent you know kind of a little bit of time just kind of googling lawyers in canada lawyers in alberta in ontario just to see kind of what the landscape is and it's amazing how you know i must have hit up 40 websites some of them, I mean, we won't talk about that because the marketing guy, I mean, comes in and says, holy crap, this guy's charging $40 and he can't even afford a proper website. Anyways, but it, there was barely any education. There was nobody saying, you know, hey, I want to educate you on what I'm going to charge you for. And, you know, that to me is just a sure, sure bet that I'm like, OK, well, you know, all the lawyers are trying to keep this you know, education, this little, I call it the scarcity mentality, all tucked into the legal system, right? Because there's a lot of money changing hands there. So for you, you could create that resource and you could do it on a, at scale. You could do it at scale.
1: So, I mean, we have to be careful, right? Because I can't teach people how to better commit crimes, right? There's there's (laughs) laws and rules in place. So I can't set up, you know, here's how to avoid the police yeah type of video which is really what my clients would want from me i can't i'm you know legally obligated to not do such things i can't tell you how to properly get rid of the body These are the types of questions that my clients would ordinarily pose to me that they would see value in, which would, of course, avoid them having to retain me. So it's not that I'm not prepared, you know, to divulge industry secrets. It's I'm legally obligated to not counsel people on how to commit criminal
0: offenses. For every Um, uh, RCMP law enforcement agency now listening to this podcast because they've heard this little clip. This isn't by yeah. no means. She is saying this on her own free will.
1: <laughs> I, I <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but it's, no, it's true. You know, you want, there's, there's certain legal tips that just can't be provided and won't be provided because we as lawyers are obligated to not give that type of information.
0: Absolutely. In
1: addition, you know, assessing... People's cases is literally on a case by case basis, right? It's like doctors. Mm-hmm. Until we actually review the disclosure in the Crown's case and take a look at the search warrant and the police notes, like I can't really tell you how to deal with your case, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's different. Even if you, even if I have. You know a thousand people that call me and say hey police read my house they found gun they found drugs what am i supposed to do until i actually see the search warrant which purported to give the police the authority to enter that house i have no idea i literally mm. have to review all thousand search warrants separately to understand if the police were justified in entering the house mm. so as much as i can give you know generalities about what you can and cannot provide to police or should or should not provide to police as the passenger in a vehicle that stopped, that's sort of the end of the lesson, right? Like, I can do different scenarios to describe what your rights are, but to suggest that I can actually tell you how to challenge a search warrant, each each one is different. All the facts Mm. are different. The investigation is different. Sometimes the police investigate for a day. Sometimes they investigate for a year, two years, three years, if it's a, you know, huge project. And so being able to analyze that case is like, I can't tell you how to treat your stomachache, right? Like, if, yeah. if, if someone's constantly, you know, dizzy, you can't Google, well, you can Google what this is, but you, know, you should probably shouldn't rely on that, you should go <laughs> see your damn doctor, right? Like, they need to do some blood work and they need to figure out what's really going on. So yeah. I do, I use Instagram to try to provide those generalities so that people understand that they do have rights and responsibilities. Uh, when in society, when dealing with the police, but to be able to analyze someone's case actually requires sitting down with that person and their their disclosure, their their actual case. When I say disclosure, disclosure is everything the Crown will rely on to prove the case. Yes. So statements from witnesses, statements from police, uh, search warrants, if applicable, and you know the police have resources at their disposal that people don't understand. They can the, now get dis- warrants. Is
0: the disclosure related to the discovery, or is the discovery based on the evidence? No,
1: we don't have discoveries you don't, in you don't. the criminal process. Okay. It's a pre- preliminary hearing. Sometimes yep. we call them discoveries if there's no judge sitting, but discoveries are for civil litigation.
0: Yeah, but when is that? What do you call the term though? When the when the prosecution has to give you the evidence that's stacked against your client in order to make a defense. Or am I right saying away.
1: That right away? So, no, no, no. So, right away. So, the process, so sort of the anatomy of every criminal case is someone gets arrested, then they're entitled to judicial interim release, what we often call bail. Uh, this often happens at the beginning of the case, but perhaps you want to wait a little bit just to be able to assess the case. And the really, the disclosure process is something that's ongoing throughout the entire litigation, but you can't assess it until you have, you can't assess the case until you properly have disclosure. So the first, you know, three or five or 10 or sometimes 15 times that someone goes to court, those appearances are just to get the disclosure. And so the Crown is obligated to provide everything they're going to rely on, everything. And it's a one way street. So the defense doesn't have to provide anything. We don't have to tell you what the defense is. We don't have to tell you who our witnesses is. The only time we have to show our hands is if there's an alibi. And so if there's an alibi evidence, we have to provide that to the Crown uh, sort of as soon as possible is generally preferred, but definitely at the beginning of the case so that they can investigate whether there is a genuine alibi. And if there is a genuine alibi, quite frankly, you don't want to sit on that, right? If you come to me and you're like, Jordan, I'm charged with this murder that supposedly happened in Alberta, but that night, I swear, I was at my home in Vancouver and there's surveillance video that proves that, you know, the first thing I want to do is get that surveillance video and give it to the crown and be like, listen, man, you got the wrong guy. Let this dude out of jail. It's not the person.
0: He was, tick- hey. he was TikToking on the mountainside. I swear to God. <laughs> it's him. No, hey, no, no. <laughs> you know what, though? It's uh, it's interesting because we, you look at it. Is there any common personality traits uh, amongst criminal uh, defense lawyers that you feel like are, are good? Like every time I, I talk to a cop or, you know, I know cops, you know, distant friends, family, whatever. I always ask them. I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, D- don't you have to become a wolf to kind of catch a wolf? And so it's so funny because the answers all vary, right? You know, they're they try to do the whole like, you know, No, no, it's very separate. I'm like, come on man, there's some human nature here. How the hell are you gonna go and catch this this wolf if if you can't think or, or act like a wolf? I mean, and if that wolf comes back at you, you know, like there's gonna be some sort of bad things. Do you feel like, you know, you defending these types of people, because you you know, we even talked about it. A lot of people ask a criminal defense lawyer, like, hey, how do you how do you defend these kind of people? How do you sleep at night? All these things, right? I even wonder. I'm like, how does like what does she do during the day? Like she just looks at blood splatter analysis and then kind of goes and has like a salad and then comes back and then you know like like what like what I don't the? stop
1: eating. I don't, I don't stop eating my salad to yeah. examine my blood splatter. Yeah. So so, so so yeah. So I'm fine with it.
0: Yeah. So is that, me. is that? I mean, is that just because? that's it's it's weird to the average person like how do you do that is that i mean you're you come from kind of a different background where you've 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 seen those kinds of things prior to being a lawyer but even some of your uh peers where they you know you talk about all the time they come from great families and stuff does that change a person you think when they they start seeing those kinds of things or is that where that that guard and that that you know kind of balance starts to really kick in
1: so there is a full range of personality within the criminal defense bar, within criminal lawyers, period. Right? You have every type of personality doing all different types of work. I I know lawyers that are unbelievably patient and compassionate and kind and generally their practice reflects their personality. Oftentimes when you have criminal lawyers who are able to be patient and compassionate, they're often dealing with clients with serious mental health issues because they need that patience, that compassion, someone who will explain things over and over again. Um, That is not me. That is not my personality at all. And as a result, my practice, I have very, very few clients with... Uh, severe mental health issues because I don't have the patience and the time to dedicate to them and it does a disservice to them and I mean that honestly I think that people who are suffering from mental health issues deserve to have someone with that level of compassion and patience that I don't
0: possess this doesn't shock me though Jordana it doesn't shock me at all I know it doesn't I'm not surprised by this fact at all
1: I'm brutally honest And Mm. that turns some clients off because if I think your case is uh, horrific, I'm still prepared to fight it, but I'm going to be honest. And some people don't want to hear that. Some people want a lawyer that tells them, no, we're going to win this 100%, I promise. Any lawyer that makes promises of a result is a liar. That's like Mm. number one rule. If you have a lawyer who's going to promise you a result in court before they even know who the judge is, your, your lawyer is a liar. It's not possible to guarantee a result. The, The case completely hinges on the disclosure, the witnesses, the testimony in court, the judge you draw, and quite frankly it is often the case that some laws are overturned overnight. So you don't know what the appellate courts are going to do with a specific set of facts on any given day. And so I tell clients whether or not I think they have a good defense, whether they have a bad defense, strengths and weaknesses, what I think we should do, what we can do. But to guarantee a result, to promise you, them a win, to promise them anything, uh, no, your, li- your, your lawyer is lying to you for sure. You can't make those promises. Um, yes. So I, I think that's part of the interview process in finding a lawyer, right? Like our, our theme for the conversation is how to find the right lawyer. You know, go on their website. As you saw from your survey this morning of the 40 different websites, you know or 50 whatever you looked at every lawyer has a different website a different look to it a different color if you jump on my website you know you're seeing black and red and you're seeing access to my podcast access to my TEDx talks you're gonna see my a page that list my philosophy read it if you like it call me for a consult if you don't like it and don't agree with my position if you don't want a lawyer that's you know straight up impatient but does a really good job because I know what I'm doing with the type of cases that I do. Uh, if if that's what you want, give me a call and come in. You know, but if you don't want a lawyer that's gonna sometimes swear and have tattoos and come to you know come to the office in jeans <laughs> and at shirt you're hiring the wrong person, right? I you will it. not see me in the office in a suit. It's just not happening. I go home after court from wearing my suit. The first thing I do, jeans and t-shirt. I'm in the office. Uh, you know, maybe I've got a blazer on if I'm meeting someone for the first time. Maybe sometimes not but like that's just who I am and some people want a different personality and I'm okay with that because if you don't want someone with my personality then I don't want to represent you. There's enough Mm -hmm. clients out there to go around that like I think that you know as lawyers we do a disservice when we try to dumb down our personalities in order to fit that boring lawyer Mm -hmm. mold. You know I'm just at a point where it's like this is me take it or leave it and this is my personality and so I've met. Uh, lawyers across the board that do different things too, right? Don't forget, my practice is limited to a certain type of criminal offense. There are lawyers who, you know, just focus on sex assaults and they have a different personality. There's lawyers who focus on impaired driving cases and that's what they do. You know, so if you're charged with impaired driving, call a lawyer that does impaired driving cases. Do some research look up does this lawyer actually know how to deal with the type of case i'm charged with Mm. you know there's plenty in the media to be able to find the right lawyer for the right set of charges Mm. and and not every lawyer is suited to do every type of case impaired driving charges are very technical in nature Mm. they have nothing to do generally with witnesses because it's basically just you know police pulled someone over you got a breath technician that took the sample did they take it in a timely fashion I mean, I'm bored even talking about it, let alone actually doing those cases, Mm. it doesn't fit my personality. Mm. So anyone who calls me with impaired driving cases, I, I refer to other lawyers, I send them away. You know, and again, not because I dislike the person, but I don't have the personality to sit there and be so technical on a case. I don't want that. I'd rather pick through a search warrant, word by word and figure out where the officer may have been lying where they got it wrong where the you know issuing justice was deceived i mean that's really what i focus on things like that, that, lo- that things like murders.
0: the people that love you i mean they, they do they do love you there's uh you have some sort of court typist or court reporter or something like that at, i think seen our, our thing on linkedin and then she liked it and then sent me all these messages and she's like i love jordana and, I said, have you seen her in action? I said, I'm still trying to get a vlog video of her in the courtroom. And then she started laughing. I was just joking. Um, and then yeah, yeah. Uh, she's like, I've seen half of Ontario in action. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's a good point too. But it seems like people really, you, you really stand out. I mean, it, it does, right? I mean, you're, you're somebody, I've sat in a courtroom just to look at cases. And I mean, some lawyers look like, you got the lawyers that look like they don't even know how to dress themselves and the coffee spilled all over and they're kind of show up and slap themselves down and... You know, and then you got the other lawyers that are like, you know, I've been watching Suits a lot. You know, I really love, you know, (laughs) the characters. Then you got the other ones that you're like, wow, this is like I would never very disarming characters. You know, are you somebody how do you what is your brand? Like, how do you characterize yourself? Because you talk about, you know, this is my specific clientele. But out of all the lawyers, like if I was to do a consult with four different criminal defense lawyers and you did kind of describe how you're you know, hey, you get to the point. You tell them what's up. But just in terms of pure, like, look and appearance, do you think you kind of set your your all to your own? Or you've met a lot of other lawyers that, you know, definitely got your vibe too?
1: Uh, No, I I think I've, over the years, have, you know, developed a, a look that matches my personality. I certainly didn't at the beginning. It was all, like, black and gray suits and plain tops and very, you know... But I thought that's what I needed to do to be a lawyer, right? Like a, <laughs> there's a mold that we expect lawyers to be, and I thought that that's that's what I had to be. And over the years, um, you know, it's it's transitioned a little bit. I I still believe that there needs to be a level of professionalism in the court. Um, I saw a lawyer the other day in like her superior court robe, so you know you see on TV those lawyers yeah, with the yeah. long robes, right? We have to wear those in superior court. So whenever okay. I wear those. I always have to, you know, I'm always in black pants underneath and, you know, simple shoes. And it's just, there's a level of professionalism that comes with being in superior court. This girl was walking down the courtroom, the court, the hallway courthouse, and her robes are like swinging beside her. And she's wearing a skirt so short that I was embarrassed. I had to look away. I was like, I did not have seen that much of this woman's legs. Like I was actually uncomfortable. And I thought, how... Are you walking through a courthouse, you know, needing to command respect in a courtroom? Because you do. You want the judge to respect you, you need your client to respect you, like, there's that, that level of respect that comes from putting yourself together in an appropriate manner. And I just think that, you know, if that's how you want to dress when you're going to the local club, cool. Albeit, uh, you can carry it well. But when we're in court, uh, I do. I think that we have to be respectful to our surroundings and to the process. And so, as much as I, you know, love nothing more than jeans and a T-shirt when I'm at the office, when I'm in court, it's, you know, it's all it's all blazers, uh, dress pants. You, you know, I it's always have time. great accessories. That for me time. is important. Absolutely, there's a look about it. Listen, if your lawyer's suit look doesn't good, fit, good, good, feel good. you're going to jail. Yeah,
0: it's, there's
1: no question about it. Like yeah. there's there's a level of of respect that you have to command, and part of that is in appearance and presentation
0: yes yes absolutely yeah absolutely i like that fast forwarding into you know again tips on how to hire a lawyer fee structure um how do you keep your lawyer honest how do you know when your lawyer is not working for you and maybe not doing the best of their ability or just simply not focused or maybe just inundated with cases but even though they have clients, they're just not giving the due diligence to your case. And this is where I say, and I'll kind of give the analogy, if you go to the doctor and you suspect something else is going on, and even if your own doctor says no, nothing's going on, go get another opinion. Like you need to be your own advocate. So can you shed some light on how we can do that with our lawyers, be an advocate for yourself even after we've hired a lawyer? Listen, lawyers do
1: get busy, there's no question, and I find myself in lengthy trials. So sometimes I'm doing trials that are two weeks, three weeks, sometimes even two or three months at a time. So if you think that your lawyer isn't doing a good job for you, set up an appointment. Message your lawyer and say, listen, I want to come in and speak to you about the case. Because no matter how busy they are, they can set an appointment in the future. So I've said to clients plenty of times, listen, I'm just going into a two week trial right now. Can we set an appointment for just after I finish, and we'll meet and go through everything when I get caught up to speed? And I've never had a client be upset about that. You have to be honest about you know where your schedule's at. Now, if you have a lawyer that's constantly uh, canceling appointments, or you go in to speak to your lawyer for that pre-arranged appointment, and you say, "Hey, what's happening on my case?" and they say, "You know what? I don't know." and they pull out the file and they're fumbling around and they want to talk to you about their personal life they're telling you all about the boat they're looking to purchase i've had clients tell me this is their experience with lawyers where they go in and see them time after time get absolutely no information on the status of their case but just have like a sit down I don't know, man, if your lawyer has time to just have a sit down, it's the wrong lawyer, right? You should be too busy being a lawyer to want to sit down and tell your client about a boat you're shopping for. Presumably with the money they paid you to run the case. I don't understand. Mm. Mm. So, you know, if when I, I look at my schedule, I try to do every week or two or three, depending on my trial schedule, an office day where I stack client meetings, you know, every hour on the hour for the entire day. And the day before, I go in and I look at what I have coming up and get organized. So that when the client comes in, I know exactly what's happening on the case. I know the status of disclosure. I offer to review it with them. Hey, do you want to see what your case is about? Some of my clients say, yes, please. I want to understand the case against me. Others say, no, that's what I pay you to do. Mm. And, and some of them just want an update, you know, give me the calls notes. What are we doing? What's happening now? And I think mm. it's really important to have that face to face time with your client so that you can go through things properly. As you know full well, I'm not a big phone person. I'm not really good with phone calls and I'm just too busy. I can carry on five text message conversations at the same time. I can't carry on five phone calls at the same time. Mm. So you know given what i need to accomplish in a day i I try to do as much as i can by text including setting up meetings but when my clients come in to meet with me there's no phone calls that i take subject to like absolute emergencies i don't have other things going on in the background it's you know that face-to-face time to review the case Mm. if your lawyer can't review the case with you periodically to keep you updated uh, or you sit down to prepare for trial and, and they're for the first time reading the notes in front of you, that's a problem. Mm. It's, you know, by the time you get to trial, your your lawyer should be able to say to you, yes, this witness said this, this witness said this. What do you say about that? You know, here's what we need to do for trial. Are we going to call you to testify? Are we not? Like, these are important conversations to be having in advance during the prep stage, you know, mm. and during the initial stages before you've set trial – Definitely, at least once, if not twice before you set trial, you should be meeting with your lawyer to go over the, the disclosure and see what the case is about. What do I want to do with this? Mm. You know, is this a totally hopeless case where the chance of succeeding is so low that you want to resolve it or you want to take that risk after trial of, you know, a worse sentence, but at least, you know, there's the possibility of an acquittal. Yeah, And that's a conversation you should be having face-to-face, reviewing the disclosure, understanding what the case is, strengths and weaknesses, and Mm. and having that face-to-face time where you can ask those questions of your lawyer. If you've hired a lawyer that won't answer your questions or is too busy to set up a meeting to talk to you, uh, that's a problem for sure now it may be that there's not enough disclosure I have some clients that you know they want to meet with me but I know I'm waiting on five key cases of disclosure or five key pieces of the crown's case and until Mm. I get those I can't make the proper assessment I'll say to the client listen we can meet but there's no point because I can't give you that proper analysis of your case right now let me get these five things from the crown and then we sit down and we go through everything together you know, It's like building yeah. a puzzle if you're missing a third of the pieces. You just can't do it, right? You're never yeah. going to see what the full picture is. So sometimes those meetings are best put off, but at least have that explanation. Okay, I understand this is what's
0: going on. Interesting. How important is the, a lawyer's personal life to what they do as a profession? Such a great question. Because your life, I mean, your, 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 your lifestyle is kind of like your work. It seems like you work a lot. You intertwine a lot of it. How important is, um, it's a good question. I mean, any any kind of uh, partner or business person that I'm going to do business with, I do. For me, as a client, as a customer, I always try to assess, especially if I know it's going to be a long-term-ish relationship. I always try to, you know, I look at their pictures on their wall. I look, I just try to get a sense of who the hell is this person is personally, you know, and I've, I've met a lot of people back in the club days. I'm like, holy crap! This person was this way in the office, and now they're on a speaker going nuts. Like, <laughs> and, and, and not that I'm judgment, ju- not that I'm judgmental, but in certain cases, I was because I'm like, if this person can flip the switch that hard and that crazy, it made me feel like completely just, you know, I was almost turned off because I'm like, whoa, whoa! I get that everybody wants to go and have a good time, but you know, I always, I, I'm, I'm sorry, personal does impact professional. Like, we're human beings. I mean, off the sheer raw emotion in nature so for you how much like how does that impact you know because I just think it's like going to a doctor I don't want to ever see a doctor at the end of their day they're so tired like I want to <laughs> see a doctor nine o'clock in the morning ten o'clock in the morning my cap is one o'clock like I don't want that 230 feeling coming on when my doctor's like you know we're just gonna do a biopsy you know I don't even maybe you went to lunch and now you're drunk i don't even know these things you know oh no and I'm, I'm shedding a little humor on it so so people listening get some entertainment value but you know what is the answer to that question how much is the personal affect the professional right i've got to know you on on kind of both levels a little bit and you know you you see you definitely have that you know it's the switch right and you you have to beat it up you have to kind of beat up the switch a bit um, But the switch is different. You definitely do have another side, which is great. Um, But then on your loss side, it's same like, you know, back in my football playing days, man. When it was game time, it was just a different dude that showed up. You know, I did a lot of work, a lot of practicing. And then when that ball snapped, I mean, it was all hell. All hell broke loose, right? And it's a good thing. So where, where are you at with that? We know your emotional scope.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> But but that's the same <laughs> personal or right, like, and it's funny. I I'm super honest with my clients about that. I tell them I am not an emotional person. I'm not here to provide you with life counseling. I'm not here to help you make better choices. I'm honest about that from the beginning because I you know I want people to understand. If you're looking for that lawyer that's going to be your friend and hold your hand and tap your shoulder and tell you that everything's going to be okay, don't hire me.
0: Wrong person. Not- or choose I don't I don't agree, no, no, no. With, I don't not, agree with not I don't agree
1: with not it's not it's just no. it's not me especially not because of what I do right like you talked earlier about me reading blood spatter reports you're right like I am so divorced in so many ways like I have such a keen ability to compartmentalize that I really can analyze autopsy photos while I'm eating my lunch on a murder trial it doesn't but, it but
0: doesn't that go- me but that goes somewhere now the salad we're hu- we're human beings so we know where the salad goes and it leaves the body at some point we get that but everything else wink wink nudge nudge everything else still has to go somewhere when you compartmentalize it that's that that to me is like even questions we've gotten I, I know you-, you
1: don't understand that or believe that because the emotional you is like how can that not bother you it really doesn't faze no, me no really a- no what i do it's like the surgeon no. you know like
0: it- no 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 that part no no on the professional standpoint no i i'm crystal clear on that i think that i can un- totally understand how that that doesn't bother you it's kind of like the same thing as first responders and stuff that right. show, show up and they're seeing you know just Terrible situations. Absolutely. If you let that get to you, I mean, first of all, you will become a basket case, in my opinion (pun intended). Um, yeah. You will not serve the people that need your help in that moment as best as you can because you're you don't want to be emotional and dramatic with somebody who's already emotional and dramatic, right? So I get that on the professional level, but it's you know once you kind of lock up the professional box and you're like, okay, cool, like this, this is what I do for a living, this is what I'm doing. I get that. But man, you know, it's just simple things like you know when you brush your teeth or you take a shower or you, you know, maybe got a couple minutes to yourself and just you know you're kind of thinking as more of a personal, you know, level on as a human being. You know, does anything ever kind of flash in or you're just like no, no, whatever? Maybe no, it does.
1: It does. So I'm asking. I do. So the pendulum sometimes swings from one direction to the other without staying in the middle. For sure, I I think back to certain uh, murder cases specifically that absolutely had. An impact on my personal life so much so that i didn't really have a personal life while i was in the trial yeah, i, I yeah. couldn't i was yeah. you know living breathing eating absorbing that case and absolutely everything i did and i didn't have the ability uh th- there's been a couple cases where i just couldn't turn off and so i couldn't have you know those normal human interactions that, that we tend to and once the case was finished it probably took you know a week or two for me to come back into like myself and sometimes yeah. i do have to turn that off so no I, I i agree there have been cases that have permeated my personal life to such a degree but i do try to keep them generally separate in the sense yeah. of you know my personal life my personal life and uh i i enjoy it and love it there's flashes of it so that you know my clients and and their families know my background for sure because I think that's important um it informs what I do in my professional life in a large degree it it informs the degree to which I'm prepared to fight for a client and I think it's important for them to understand where that comes from Mm. um you know it's interesting I always thought that like my own history was going to have a critically negative effect on my career and I was super worried after my TED Talk launch that that was going to be it. You know, I was like, am I shutting up shop? Am I going to open up like a restaurant on a beach somewhere? Like, is, am I done with my legal career? And, and one of my clients called me and it was, you know, probably one of the most amazing responses to hear aside from just, you know, general accolades. He said, I always knew I hired you because you were the one that was going to be prepared to take a risk in every step of my case that you were just prepared to put yourself out there to full degree and now I understand why like Mm. you're the one who made it when you shouldn't have you know you doing everything you did was always a risk and you've always been that risk taker and and I knew that's why I hired you I just didn't appreciate the background that informed that and that to me was amazing I I love that so my personality certainly has become more accessible in a lot of ways you know you see flashes on it you've talked about on instagram my love of cars my love of traveling you know my love of some accessories um i'm not married i don't have kids i i don't have that personal background and so if someone wants to talk about their kids and how hard it is to raise kids in this generation like i i don't know i can't help you <laughs> right like like i don't i can't you know and About that, I've had plenty of parents that call me crying over the state of of their kids, and I say to them, I'm honest about it. I don't have kids. I can't imagine what you're going through right now. I can only appreciate, I can only imagine how hard it is, you know, to have your child in jail and charged with first degree murder. I can assure you that I'm prepared to fight to the best of my abilities and with, you know, every resource available to me to ensure that we get them home to you. But if, mm. if you want me to tell you that I understand how it feels, I don't. I don't know what it's like to have kids then, mm. and have that need to protect them and not be able to do it, right? Like, I, I don't know.
0: I think the way I can speak, but because I, I'm, I'm a newish father, three years, and I mean, pre kids and post kids, I love my kids. I mean, and I mean, it's the only analogy I could ever get because I get so many people that ask me that don't have kids that knew me when I didn't have kids. And uh, they're not ever shocked about how the way I reacted to having children I mean I'm I'm all in but it's a difference between playing a high limit poker game that literally says you sign this paper you lose this game you're done that to me is there's no level that I think life could ever teach me on that without even experiencing kids because somebody who loves to have you know try to you know control a situation as best as I can and be proactive when you have kids, that all goes out the door because the best thing you can do is get them prepared and and train them and do all those things and parent them and love them. But man, there's life. Then life comes in. Kobe Bryant, right? I mean, look 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 what goes wow. on in there, you know. And man, helicopters and millions and money, and then life comes and says, "That's it. It's done. It's over." You know, heartbreaking. I mean, so heartbreaking. Right? So we tell, we tell ourselves, put your head down and have that steely-eyed focus. And then life sometimes says, well, if you do that too much, I'm going to come and slap you upside the head. And I right. mean, there's there's unfortunate circumstances there. So for you, you know, I always kind of go back and forth to the, the personal and professional. It's no surprise that when you shared more of your story, more people were receptive because you actually humanized yourself, right? There's still components of you in your life that are a complete mystery to me and that myth and that mystery to me creates a complete disconnect and when i create a disconnect inside myself it doesn't allow me to fully get to know that person in the way that i want to know that person and given that situation that can leave a lot of great relationships that could have been that get left on the table i hate leaving a great relationship that i think could have been a great relationship on the table because amidst uh material crap and business and accolades and awards people run this shit we will always run this shit so without people we're done like you know what i mean and that's that's why people and i don't even like the average person i make that very clear i'm the guy that likes to be alone i have a lot of friends but i've always said sometimes a general never travels with their army i don't need to roll 50 deep i like to you know boom 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 you know and i'm very you know my circle's small that way so for you i find you fascinating because there's there's on un- there's little shadows and you know i've you know i poke into them a little bit and shine a little flashlight you know put out my little you know you're crime such scene a tape.
1: liar you come out like a, fucking <laughs> act, a little fucking act are you crazy you're like that guy in the subway tunnel with the big huge light like the big <laughs> it's just like shining in to see where that shadow goes you don't do anything little you're a liar <laughs> but
0: think, no but but think about it from the it's this perspective though is that if you don't like if you if somebody doesn't do that can you imagine like if you rolled in your whole life professionally too because this is on a professional level too is that could you imagine somebody never like just said took you aside and said jordana Maybe you should think about this this and this and maybe it could be on a professional level whether it's coming from a mentor whether it's coming from a peer but somebody that just had it's not even the balls but just like yo i actually care enough to say something whereas most people they just you want to go out next week right how's the next case superficial fluff right and it just I mean, it's, that's such a waste of time, you know. I just don't like superficial. Oh, it's boring. I like the gnarly stuff. I like the nitty gritty, and that's why, yeah, I'm an—I definitely am an axe person, and I'm a, a polarizing character to some. If you ask a hundred people that have came in contact with me on an intimate level, fifty percent will say I hate that guy, not for bad reasons. I just hate that guy. That guy pulled out every insecurity, bothered yep. the crap on me, and then there's fifty of them that are like. Freaking love Ryan. I mean, my God, I love him. But that's just the way it is, you know. But I don't dish anything that I cannot take. I don't do right. that.
1: No, so no, I'm, no. I, I do. I see that. And like, and when I say you're not the guy with the little flashlight, you're the guy with the spotlight. <laughs> I say that with the greatest love because it's it's true. Most people do not push. And you know, I've told you this before. I think it was like around the summer when you started like digging, without us having the microphones in front of us. You know, we did yeah. a couple of these. we spoke a couple of times, You we were on like a good, you wanted me on the podcast, cool. We, you know, have great conversations. Uh, your fans are loving it and I really love that. And I, I like that interaction. But I remember this summer, um, it was like August, I was doing a case in Niagara, I was living up there and we had this like hour and a half long conversation where I think you were the first person in a very long time and maybe the first person in like years other than my partner that has done that, that is just like, what is the bullshit you talking about? I wanna know this. No, I wanna know this. And he just like asked the questions that you wanted the answers to about me. And at first I was like, What is happening here? Who is this guy? But as a result of having that conversation, you made me think, right? And I told you that. You called me out for sitting on the fence in some ways about my life. And I didn't understand because, you know, this last few years has been the most honest I've ever been mm, about mm. my life and who I am. I'm like, how can I be sitting on the fence when I'm actually, like, making, you know, these steps and these strides, but you saw them as being so short in a huge marathon. And and you called me on that, and I, I got off the phone, and it stayed with me. You know, those are conversations that stay with me. The superficial bullshit of, like, how was your day? How's your next case? What are you doing? Mm, like... Mm. That's really nice, but it's the conversations that you have with the big spotlight or the axe, you know, whatever analogy we use, that actually matter. Mm. And I think it's so important for people to have someone like that in their life that forces them to really think about their life because that's what helps each of us become better people, right? Like
0: But, but do you think I you do that? that? Do you think you do that for people? Do you do that? Because I, I could argue that I'm the one that 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 made that took this to where it is. And it was on my choice, right? Because otherwise it would have just been, you know, it, you would have been a, a person that I was like so cool. I'm a true crime fan. I'm like, this Bruce MacArthur guy, he's putting bodies in all kinds of things. This is how I found you on Instagram. You yeah. and, and, and your ad came down three times. And the first two times you you were doing the commentary on the CBC. And then on the third time, I, the two times I didn't even message, and I'm like, he came down the third time. I'm like, what? This is different. This is something different. But it, it was when I clicked, and I'm like, is this a tattoo artist or is this a lawyer? What? And then I, I it, it had, it, it took a time for me to figure out who the hell this person is. Right. Right. So that's why I say that's what I'm saying, right? And I just like you say a lot of the time, you know, you know, exceptions and rules and all these things. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that for for a lot of people. I've done that for very significant people in my life. One, I'm married to my wife, you know? Right? She will tell you, I'm, I'm brutal. Take off your socks. Let me see your feet. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. No, because it's because it's because, you know, my foot thing, right? And I mean, I had a, a thing for feet since I was 13 years old. I used to call myself the black, like, uh, Al Bundy or whatever the hell, the Married with Children show, the shoe store guy. I used to to manage an Aldo back in the day. So women would come in. I'd be like, yo, man, these shoes look really good. I got these nice little round toes ready to go. But your feet right now are grenades. Take the $15. Go down to Bo's Nails and handle that situation. I'll give you a discount on the shoe. I'm not even joking. And I think back, I'm like, thank God there was no Me Too movements because maybe some of those comments back then. Yeah, there'll be some video that pops up one day like that Ryan guy. But no, no. So, but no, to stay on track, this is kind of my point. This is why I kind of always do hack and I'm like, no, no. Reciprocation for me is everything. Because I'm like, if you if you acknowledge that that's what I did to you, and people are listening and it's great too, is that if you acknowledge that somebody does that for you, in my opinion, my first reaction would be, well, did I do that for them? And that's okay if I didn't. But do I do that in my life for other people? And if I cannot ask myself those two questions either I'm extremely narcissistic and self you know all about me 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 or I'm afraid that's that's my interpretation
1: so I mean listen I don't think that we can do that for everyone or have everyone do that for us I don't think that that's reasonable I think that I do that for some people in my life Mm. And I know that there's some people in my life that do that for me. And, you know, over the last three or four months, for sure, and definitely over the last month, I've made a concerted effort to spend more of my time with people that do that for me and giving my time to people that I can do that for who are reciprocal to it. And I've tried with some people who aren't willing to have those conversations, right? Like, you ask me the tough questions but for me to have that trust in you and answer them and reciprocate within that conversation was something new for me as well, right? It takes trust to let someone into those shadows.
0: I love myself, though. I think I'm awesome. So I think I, I should automatically get that from you. Well, I,
1: know you that. So I, I know you think that. This is so honesty. I know you think that. And luckily for you, I agree, right? <laughs> <laughs> I that's true, really, that's know, true, go,
0: go you asshole. Yeah, and have a
1: no. phone, right? Yeah. Like that could have easily have been a response if I wasn't prepared or quite frankly, it wasn't even about you. If me within myself, I wasn't confident mm. or secure enough, to face those shadows and say, you know what? You're asking me the hard questions. I'm prepared to look deep within myself to answer them.